You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Wentz from the shotgun, takes the snap. Here comes the rush. Wentz gets hit by Frank Clark, and Clark slams him down. Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. First and ten, the play fake. Russell looks, going to lay it up for the end zone. Doug Baldwin reaches out, makes the catch. Is he in? He is. Touchdown, Seahawks. Powered by Seahawks.com. Welcome to the Seahawks Insiders Podcast as we get you ready on all things Seahawks ahead of their week three matchup against the Dallas Cowboys. It is also their home opener. Plenty to talk about this week, and I'm glad that John Boyle from Seahawks.com is alongside to do that with me. Hello, John. Hello, Jennifer. Welcome back. We Thank missed you. you last week. Thank you. I missed Although Jackie talking. did a great job filling in. As so. she always does. That just means that I have saved up my words for this week. So oh, get boy. ready. Because if you thought I talked a lot before, I really plan to talk a lot today. All right. I'll just hang out and listen. And just listen. Yeah. Let's, you might need to interrupt every once in a while just so that we don't have any rants or any soapbox, you know, kind of mm-hmm. commentary on things. I can do that. I've been known to do that. And here's the other thing I've been known to do, John. You know, when the Seahawks lose a game, we view it differently because we're working the game. It impacts kind of the the way people talk to us, but we still have to remain objective to a point until you get home and you have to have a coping mechanism, which I think mine has become cookies. It's not going to be good for my waistline. Well, but they're delicious. Well, they are delicious. Your coping mechanism is... Depends on the time of day, you know. Sometimes a nice beer is a good coping mechanism, but uh, well, if we, I, you know, we yes. don't we don't drink on the flight home. So the cook, the chocolate chip cookie they hand out on the plane is yeah, pretty good. I can justify dessert a lot easier if I'm just not feeling a hundred percent. There you, you know? go. Yeah. And when nobody was feeling 100% after that game, Monday night in Chicago. But I think it helps to have a little bit of time and perspective on any of that. Because, look, when you were the only game on TV that day, it's Monday Night Football. Everybody is focused on it. All the national pundits are involved. You're not flipping channels to watch other games. So everybody is focused completely on that. And, John, how would you characterize, I think, just the overall reaction to that game in the hours immediately following? Uh, I'd say maybe a little bit of overreaction would be the best way to look at it. And again, we look at it differently because we're closer to it than a lot of people who just tune in for Monday Night Football. But I just, this notion of the Seahawks are broken and done and all these things and a terrible team. Look, that wasn't their best game, but they went out and lost two close games on the road. This is a team that's young and going to get better as the year goes on. They've got stuff to fix for sure, but to think that this is just a sign of how terrible they are to me is a pretty huge overreaction, one that I think might look a little silly in about four or five weeks. You know, I have said going in, when people ask me, give them the first four weeks, and I think after four weeks you're going to feel pretty good about this unit. Now, I will be honest, the reason I said that was because the number of young guys or new guys playing on defense, I thought it was going to take them a while to get up to speed. It was a little backwards of how I thought it would be, especially last week. Right, and so I think that's where a little bit of the overreaction comes. If the defense had gone out there and without three starters, right, without Bobby Wagner and K.J. Wright and Trey Flowers, who had only started just the week before, I think you would have expected if they faltered, people would have said, yeah, that's that's kind of par for the course. The fact that the offense has struggled, I think that's what's sounding the alarm. Yeah, for sure. And especially because it was some of the issues we saw last season 
third down, too many sacks, the run game not getting going. So I, I get the frustration for sure. The the offense, I think we all had higher expectations for. Um, but, and Pete Carroll kind of alluded to this in his press conference Wednesday. There are, you know, I don't know if you want to use growing pains, but there's an adjustment period for both a new coordinator and the players and the new coordinator and the head coach, how they interact. So I think some of that we're seeing, but yeah, it's, I mean, that offense needs to be better and everyone in that locker room knows that, but it's, you know, I think it's going to get better as well. How much of this too is just the bias that people have against certain things against a certain type of play call, not because it can't be effective, but because the only thing you remember is when it wasn't effective. Oh, for sure. I think we see that across the league and fan bases everywhere. It's, you know, or not even just plays, but position groups. I mean, I, I think the offensive line is getting a lot more criticism than it deserves. It, they, Yeah, they can be better. They're not perfect by any means. But there's this notion coming into the year that, oh, the Seahawks offensive line has all these problems. So they're going to get blamed for everything when a lot of what's going on out there, if you talk to coaches, you talk to the players, it's not just that group. And a lot of times it's not them at all, but it's some other breakdown. Yeah, and we have actually seen some very good play from the offensive line. And I know that it's a little bit hard to take that when you see what the end result is. Jermaine Effetti has had a heck of a test the first two weeks of the season. And I think he has matched up pretty well, all things considered, when you are going against a pro bowler back-to-back weeks. Yeah, and again, he he would be the first to tell you that he can be better and there's things to clean up. But yeah, to, to just look at you know, 12 sacks in two games ago. Oh, the offensive line or, oh, Jermaine Effetti. It's not that simple, and it rarely is in football. And it's, yeah, again, just, you know, sometimes it's whether it's, as Pete Carroll said, Russell Wilson trying to do a little too much and holding the ball too long or a tight end or receiver not getting the read on a hot route and they're not doing the right thing. So there's, there's a lot at play. And, again, the offense as a whole has a lot to clean up. I don't care whose fault it is. You can't keep taking six sacks a game. Your offense no. doesn't function when you do it. But to the point of the offensive line, it's just—it's not just them by any means. No, um, we will get into some of those reasons why and what Pete Carroll is saying about the offensive line, the run game, what Russell Wilson needs to be doing. Before we go any further, John, I think we need to probably update the injury status of a few guys, at least as we know it, because when you looked at the inactives last week, all but one was due to injury, to one degree or another. On the offensive side, they don't expect to have Doug Baldwin back. That one's going to take just a little bit of time. There is a chance, however, that DJ Fluker could come back. And I think if you go back to preseason, the way that he and Jermaine Effetti worked together on the right side, it was pretty impressive because DJ, and I'm not, this is not a knock on J.R. Sweezy. Yeah, he's done well. He has in. done very well. But there was something about the way that DJ just steadied Jermaine. And you see it on the sidelines during the game. When Jermaine comes back over, it's DJ who's making sure that he's talking about the combos and what needs to be happening and doing the encouraging. I'm actually encouraged that DJ might be back this week. Yeah, I think that could be big for them. He's He was a guy they signed who was kind of part of that whole off-season goal of getting the running game going. He was a big part of that. He's a really good run blocker, huge physical guy. And, you know, again, J.R. Sweezy's done well. He came in late with the injury and didn't get a lot of training camp and preseason under his belt and did a good job. But th that starting five was together all through camp, yep. all through the preseason. There's a lot to be said, as we all know, for off offensive line continuity. So getting him back will be really good for Jermaine, like you said, and just good for that group as a whole. 
And then on defense, I mean, obviously you're down two Pro Bowl linebackers last week. That's that's a big blow. Bobby Wagner was on schedule to be back this week, practice Wednesday. K.J. Wright, we're still not sure he wasn't on the practice field Wednesday, but we'll kind of see how that goes beyond that. Um, I know Pete Carroll said after the game that there was hope he could be back, so we'll have to wait and see there. But Trey Flowers also on track to get back. We always have to kind of couch it with they got to get through the week, even if they're fully – you know, looking good and practicing Wednesday. When a guy's coming back from an injury, you got to get him through the week and make sure there's, you know, nothing, no setbacks or anything. But looks like at least two of those three on defense, possibly all three will be back, which will be big. Although that defense did a heck of a job, all things considered, with the guys they were missing. You know, you, you, you open with that long, was it 96 yard touchdown drive? And you're thinking, oh boy, this could be a tough one. You're missing all these guys. It's going to be a struggle. And then they really buckled down, and, I mean, they, they allowed one other touchdown drive, but they played really well. You held, held the Bears to 270 yards, 4.3 yards of play. I mean, there's there's a lot to like there, a couple more takeaways. So that, you know, as much as we talked about the frustrations on the offensive side, I'm really encouraged by what we've seen from the defense, at least in week two, especially given all the newness out there. And when we talk about that side of the ball being one where maybe coming in there are more question marks, okay, you know, there's there's something to build off of there. You know, you're not the only one who noticed that. I actually chatted with Bobby Wagner this week, and neither Bobby nor KJ were on the sidelines in Chicago, which is not unusual. They they were already ruled out beforehand. There's no need to travel them across the country just to stand on the sidelines. And Bobby told me that he and KJ, Cam and Cliff, all watched the game together at Cliff's house. Well, that sounds nice. And I said, okay, so when you watch a game together, I mean, how do you do it? Because the TV copy is so much different than what they're used to watching. And and he goes, yeah, I I don't really like to listen to the commentary because I'm really just trying to watch the plays. But he said they showed this graphic where everybody on the field disappeared outside of Earl because he's the only one that's left from, you know, when we all kind of got together as a group. the Avengers Infinity War. Yeah. you know, I just watched that movie on the flight. So well, there I actually you go. So you that knew was. exactly knew what, what was. that was. And Bobby said, that's crazy to think about. You know, I never really thought about it, but it's true. And there is a lot of newness on the defense. They did a really good job against the Bears. And really, they've made some big plays and, and worked through the growing pains. Here's what I like about this defense going against Dallas this week as we kind of shift the conversation now and look at what the matchups are going to be on either side. We'll get to the Seahawks offense in just a minute. But defensively, they are going to have a quarterback who has not yet hit his stride this week in Dak Prescott. He is averaging just 149 yards a game. And for all the challenges that Seattle has had converting on third downs, Dallas might have even more struggles as they are just five for 21 on third down conversions in the first couple of games. So to me, I'm thinking that there's some opportunities for this defense to show how far they've come along in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, for sure. Especially you get some reinforcements back. The other thing, they only allowed the running backs about two, two plus yards of carry. That's really good run defense. And that's what you're going to have to do against Dallas. Obviously, you know, you mentioned Dak hasn't really gotten going the way they want him to, but they do have one of the league's best running backs in Ezekiel Elliott. And if you can slow him down, especially with Dallas having to play at CenturyLink field, the noise and all that, it, I think you've got a really good shot of slowing that offense down quite a bit if you can take the running game away. Well, and they really are just a one-dimensional team right now. You know, running is what they do. Ezekiel Elliott, 173 yards total through the first couple of games. There isn't a true number one wide receiver now 
on the Dallas roster with no Des Bryant and without Jason Witten, a tight end did not record a catch at all last week wow. in the game. And tight ends have traditionally given the Seahawks defense trouble just because that's the spot on the field that the defense chooses to leave open. Yeah. And for, I mean, we've seen it in Dallas for years, multiple quarterbacks. Jason Witten was always kind of that security blanket of just the guy who you could always go to. So that's definitely an adjustment for him. I mean, he was, he was a hell of a player and there, you know, I think that offense they're still figuring some things out. They, they are indeed. Prescott ran for a career-high 45 yards last week. Now, he, here's my question, though. If Dallas knows that they need to be a little bit more conservative on offense because they don't have the option of just slinging the ball around the field, how does that then affect the defense if they're going to be more conservative? Defense is going to have to force a turnover. Otherwise... It's tough to make something happen. Yeah, although, you know, sometimes if a team's just checking it down, the turnovers aren't there as much, and you just let them dink and dunk and take your chances of stopping them. But, you know, probably one one of the most impressive things to me so far about those defense has been the takeaways. I mean, that was – they weren't terrible at it last year, but the numbers were down a little bit from where they wanted it to be, and then they only had one in the preseason, which was really fluky, not so much making a play, but a crazy snap over the quarterback. So that was kind of a – concern talking point going in the air is where the turnover is going to come from and when you're getting you know five interceptions through two games that's a very very encouraging sign and you could have had a couple of more yeah. on sunday and i'm or monday night excuse me and michael kendrick said after the game that man they right were right hands. there yeah. and and in his defense he was out on the field after having not played in three weeks. You know, he didn't have the benefit of having been on the field and seen some live looks and, and all of that. So I would expect him to be better. What I loved about Shaq is that he is following through on exactly what he talked about during the preseason with those takeaways. He said, last year, I was just trying to play my position, you know, make the stop, make the sure play. My focus in the off season was playing the ball. Now when the ball is in the air, it's my ball, and now I'm playing through that differently, and I think he has certainly backed that up. And whether he was making the interceptions or just making the stop, he looks so good and so smooth out there. Yeah, and he, he talked about that on Wednesday of just it's it's a confidence thing. It's, you know, when you're a cornerback, especially first year in the NFL, your, your main thing is make sure you're covering the guy and that he's not catching the ball. Well, once you kind of get that, and he did a great job with that as a rookie, then it starts being, okay, get my head around find the ball and don't just break up the pass, but take it away. And that, I mean, he, that was textbook the way he played that fader out down the sideline. It was, it was nice to see. It looked a lot like Richard Sherman, although I've had a few people tell me that his upside is much higher than Richard Sherman. And I said, I would not tell Sherm that. And they said, they said, Oh, he already knows. That's a a high bar. And I said, okay, we're just going to see how that all works. Yeah. I don't don't think that's really fair to put on a a second year guy. Probably not two games in, but I tell you what, it, if you put him, if you put a Sherm play and a Shaq play side by side, you'd see a lot of similarities. For sure. That's why they like him so much and moved him over to that left cornerback spot. That is very true. All right. I held off as long as I possibly could, but we have got to talk about the Seahawks offense against the Dallas defense. And for another week, you, you don't have maybe the same profile player like a Khalil Mack or a Vaughn Miller, but this Dallas defense is really good. They've got nine sacks. They are third in scoring defense. They are fourth in total defense. And look, I know that we're only two games in, but I also know that Dallas is getting a couple of guys back with their safety, Xavier Woods, DN Randy Gregory comes back. 
John, without giving too much credit to Dallas, because we know that that is kind of the strength of their team, and it has to be right now. Where's the Seahawks offense at, and what's the, what's the real talking point for Pete? You know, there's a couple things. The, the first one is just cleaning up the negative plays. It's, it, you know, and that contributes to everything. The third down struggles, you know, just it, and it's as he talked about, the, the pass rush kind of can build momentum. So when you take some sacks early, it gets guys going on the other team. And again, we we talked about earlier, there's a lot of reasons for these sacks. It's not one thing, but whatever's at fault, you just can't have them. You can't have six sacks a game. And as you mentioned, you're going against another great pass rush. So if they can just get a couple drives going where it's, you know, you don't, it'd be great if you got on the field and score two touchdowns to start the game. But even if it's just get a couple first downs, don't take the big losses, have some manageable third downs that you convert that. I think that'll kind of help the offense get some momentum. And then the other thing we've all heard the talk about it has been the running game. They, they talked all off season about wanting to be a better running team and be more committed to it. And the numbers just aren't there yet in terms of the attempts. And Pete Carroll talked about that today. He's pretty blunt, put it on himself. He just said, you know, he got impatient. He was telling Brian Schottenheimer to, to try to take some, excuse me. He was telling Brian Schottenheimer to, try to take some shots. You know, they, they saw something they thought they could exploit in the third quarter. It didn't work. You had two quick three and outs. Bears had some possession there, and all of a sudden the whole third quarter goes and you haven't attempted to run. I think we're going to see that change a little bit. Pete Carroll, you know, again, he put that on himself, and he said he needs to be better, be more patient. I think we'll, we'll see that patience and see a little more of Chris Carson, Rashad Penny in that running game. Yeah, and I think that uh, he also clarified his comments about Chris Carson after the game and, and kind of what it looked like versus what it actually was. It looked like there was something wrong that Chris Carson didn't see the field much in the second half. And Pete said, well, partly he misread that situation, and partly he was just trying to get one guy going. Yeah, and again, when you have six plays in the third quarter, that really you start running. Things. Yeah, yep. I mean, if, if you had – thought something was going on with Chris Carson and then the third quarter you went with Penny and he got going and then you said, okay, let's go back to Chris. But by the time you got Penny going, the game was almost over yes. because of what had happened in that third quarter. So yeah. that, you know, again, there's a lot they need to clean up. That side of the ball needs to be better, but they, you know, I think we're going to see some, some steps in the right direction. Well, and you're also maybe going to see some steps towards the quarterback with a lot of familiar feel because Chris Richard, the Seahawks' former defensive coordinator, is now on the staff at Dallas. And because of the style that he brings, Dallas is blitzing more now than they have under Rod Marinelli, who's the defensive coordinator. They're blitzing from all over the field. And we saw Chris Richard take some chances doing that with the Seahawks in the last couple of years. But it's produced sacks, no interceptions yet for that Cowboys defense I'm wondering though how much familiarity plays into this matchup it's going to be interesting you know for both sides you know how much can Pete Carroll and the Seahawks offense look at what Richard's doing and see if they can exploit something and then Richard knows the Seahawks offense I mean it's different now with a different coordinator but he knows Russell Wilson and there's a lot of similarities to what they're doing now so it's the, these matchups are always kind of fascinating when coaches know each other really well and, you know, who, who does it help more, you know, who, who can exploit something. And I think a lot of times that whole storyline is a little overrated, but it's still just fun to kind of see how it plays out. Yeah, and it's fun to watch him talk during the pregame because we know that that's going to happen on Sunday when the Cowboys come to town and when the 12s are in full voice because it is the home opener for the Seahawks. And I do think that as hard as it is to start on the road, it's going to make Sunday even better when the Seahawks get their first win on the board. I like, I like it.
I think that does not sound overly convincing, John. Sorry. Do you want to try that Let's again? Let's try that again. John? I was kinda... When the Seahawks get their first win at home on Sunday and the crowd goes wild. It's going to be a good time. It is going to be a good I time. Mean, it was only with a modicum more of energy, but that's cool. That's fine. I, Just well, hedging, <laughs> hedging your emotion, hedging your bets. That's good. I, I get it. You know, sometimes we're, we just have to play hurt, and by hurt, I mean tired in our <laughs> line of work. That's fair. I, you know? Maybe it's too many IPAs. Maybe you no, should have had cookies it's, with it's, me last it's night too many, instead of it's beers. too many children after getting home from a flight at oh, 4 in the morning. That does. Can I blame them. my kids? Does that make me a bad dad? No. I want to blame my kids No, for the 4 a.m. arrivals home. It's, yeah. It's never a good thing. So. We don't have to worry about that this week because the Seahawks are at home. They will be playing the Cowboys. Thank you for joining us this week on the edition of Seahawks Insiders Podcast. We'll be back with you next week, hopefully talking about a win, because I've essentially promised one against you the have. Cowboys. We're going to hold you personally responsible, not what happens on the field, but this podcast. <laughs> well, if I'm eating cookies during the podcast next week, you'll know what's happened. What? All right. Celebratory cookies? <laughs> Maybe. John Boyle's got you covered at Seahawks.com. I'm Jen Mueller. I'll be on the sidelines this week, and I will see you next week. We'll